Yeah, I'm, I'm back. Sorry about that. I was in the basement and you cut out. Uh, I can hear you better now. I just put in headphones. So Okay, excellent. Um, that's great. Yeah. Now, um, pretty much, how big is your party tonight that can uh, engage in the interview? Uh, it's just me, unfortunately, because I can't do it on speakerphone, and they're all, like, running around the venue. So. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah. Now, give me an intro on your history in the Portland metal scene. Well, um, let's see. We started back in 2009. Um, we just started out playing local shows and stuff like that, you know, around Portland. Um, you know, uh, we were actually called Leather Witch before we were Spellcaster. And uh, uh, as time went on, you know, like we eventually got offered a deal with Heavy Artillery and that kind of gave us a little boost. But, um, you know, people around the area uh, dug us and... Um, Basically, we just worked our way from the ground up in the scene. I mean, to this day, there's only a few bands in Portland that sing clean metal. So, um, you know, we're just kind of doing what we do, man. Now, what events were going on that helped you get signed to Prosthetic? Uh, actually, that's an interesting story because we put out our self-titled album in 2014 by ourselves. Um oh. And there wasn't much response from it at all, really. Uh, I had a bunch of vinyl I was sitting on, a couple grand worth of, like, vinyl we had paid for that I couldn't sell. And so I was was emailing every label I could just trying to sell vinyl. And one of those was Prosthetic. And I also mentioned, you know, hey, by the way, if you're interested, you know, we're looking for a record label. So I sent them some vinyl. They checked it out, and they liked it. And that's pretty much that. Um we're on prosthetic because I sent him an email, you know. So sometimes life is just as simple as that. Had I not done that, uh, you know, who knows where we'd be right now. So, I guess, is there any sort of imagery you want people to imagine when they listen to this album for the first time? Uh, yeah, I actually, I think um, the album artwork that was done by Adam Burke is uh, very reflective of the songs inside the album. And uh, I think when people listen to it, they should they should take a look at the album artwork, look at the inserts, read the lyrics, um, and also just kind of interpret them in their own way, because uh, your own interpretation is is going to be the thing that you know you can relate to. So um, you know, I, everyone's going to have a different perspective, but I think the album artwork reflects the imagery we're trying to convey in the album perfectly. For you, what was it like changing producers from Joel Grind for the self-titled to Zach Olrin for Night Hides the World? Well, Joel Grind was kind of uh, very raw, and um, uh, he let us kind of do whatever we want. And on top of that, we didn't take the recording process so seriously. We were new as a band. We were new as members to each other. We had only been together for a year at that point as um, as this unit, this incarnation of the band so we were really green and we entered the studio not really knowing what we're doing just knowing that we're recording with joel grind we respected the guy respect his music and we're going to do an album and so we were given a lot of free reign and because of it we we kind of squandered a lot of it and drank too much wasted time and uh you know unpreparedness caused the album recording to take like three months it turned out good in the end 
but it wasn't quite the production we were going for. The thing about that one is the, the songs were great, but transferring over to uh, uh, Zach Oren was a complete 180. I mean, the guy, uh, and, and not saying anything about Joel, because Joel was a great producer. He, he's a great guy, really friendly, and we had a lot of fun recording that album. But Zach was just in a completely different realm. Uh, he, I mean, everything had to be perfect with this guy. Like, so anyways, uh, yeah, he just, you know, he'd tell you when something was bad and when something was good, he'd just say, Hey, that, that was a good take. And you knew it was good because he, he, he just wasn't the kind of guy to, uh, BS you, you know? So, um, yeah, no. Uh, and, and this new album turned out exactly how we wanted it to. And we're very happy with the final product. Now I have, uh, some friends of mine with me and, um, Chris, do you have a question or two for Gabe, the uh, basis for Spellcaster? I don't know, because we may have we may actually be doing an interview on Thursday at St. Vitus. i got to check with Kelly tomorrow. Um, okay. Well, sh- shoot out something now, man. Well, I guess talk about, uh, I-, I guess, compare compare each album to each other. Which one was, you know, the which one in terms of recording was, like, the easiest and uh, which one was the more was the most difficult? Um, okay. Uh, yeah, like we've released, you know, three albums, but we've actually recorded four, uh, releases. Um, the first being our first EP spells of speed. That one, uh, was probably the easiest to record mainly because we recorded it in about eight hours. Um, and that's kind of what got us our deal with heavy artillery. But, um, after that, you know, Under the Spell was the same way. The first album, we recorded that, I think, in just a couple of days. It really was, you know, we're broke young 19-year-olds. Like, we didn't have a lot of money to spare, so we really nailed the songs at home and just nailed them out in the studio. The, you know, the third best being, uh, you know, Nightheads of the World is a relatively smooth process, but having the experience we've had with all our past albums, you know, we're focusing on things that we want to do. And so it was a lot more labor, labor intensive just because we wanted to get everything perfect. Right. Okay. Um, the self-titled album was by <laughs> far the hardest recording experience of my life, mainly because, you know, we did it over a period of three months. We're all broke. Nobody, you know, people are getting sick of going to the studio because it doesn't seem like anything's getting done. People are getting frustrated. Things aren't turning out the way they want them to. And that one was really just a massive learning process for us. And the great thing about this band is that when we do something wrong, we learn from our mistakes. And that's why Nighthead's World came out the way we wanted it to. Um, not saying the self-titled's a bad album, because I love the songs on that album. I just wish the production had turned out a little better. But um, other than that, yeah, no. That's that's what you got, you know. Spells of Speed, easiest, under the spell second, third, Nighthead's World, and uh, the self-titled was, yeah, by far the hardest recording experience. Cool. Thanks, man. Excellent. Um, yeah. Rob, Thank do you, you have a question you want to give? Yeah. Um, you know, on this tour, like, I, I mean, obviously you, you want to support the new album, and you're going to be playing a lot of that, but, like, are you trying to, like, put a mix of, like, your whole career's worth 
into the set list or like I don't know you know depending on how much time you guys have per per show and stuff like that like what do you, what are you aiming for like with that? Well, that's the thing there. Um, yeah, that's a, a good question because that's something we think about uh, really intensely before we do any tours. What songs are we going to play? Um, this one, it you know our album was released uh, like three weeks ago, maybe less, a little less than three weeks ago. Um, we had a music video just released, and uh, we're you know we're touring right on the cusp of all these things. Right. So what we really want to do is promo the album. So we're playing mostly new stuff on this tour, but we do have a song from the self-titled and a song from the first album as well. Right. Um, but you know we got to cram everything into 30 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. you know when you have those time constraints, there's there's only so much you can do. When we were touring with Striker, we did a very even three songs from the first album, three songs from the second album, three songs from the new album. And I'd love to do that with every record or with every tour, honestly. Right. You know, but um, yeah, this one's a lot more new stuff, but we do play some songs from the other albums. We always will include something from the, you know, from each record for right. sure. Okay. By the way, I'd like to let you know that uh, Rob and I are tremendous fans of Chainsaw Champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we, we, we played that tonight. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Nice. Please play it yeah. on uh, Thursday. Oh great! Yeah, we we will. <laughs> Sweet. Or 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 maybe not. I don't know. I kind of. Oh, I don't know. Don't make it. We'll, don't upset we'll me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't want to make me upset. <laughs> yeah. No. No. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. Cliffhanger. <laughs> All right. Cool, man. So, mm-hmm. Gabe, what are your favorite three songs to play from the album right now? From the new album. The new one. Honestly, man. I really like playing I Live Again. That song is just so high energy and fun. Betrayal is great just because it's just chugging the whole time. And, um, you know, a song that I would love to play but we couldn't fit it in the set is uh, the last one on our new album. It's called Prophecy. It's like seven and a half minutes long. But that one's just so heavy, uh, in my opinion. Like, I love playing it on bass, so... That that would be my favorite, but I I really do love playing all the songs from the new album. Like, they they couldn't have turned out better in my opinion. I I, I love the way they turned out. So, also, can you tell me a bit about the song "Aria," the opening track on the album? Oh yeah, that's uh, actually it's it's "Aria," um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I wrote that one. Um, that one I spent like three months on last year or two thousand. Late 2014, actually. That I wrote that song like almost two years b- before we recorded it. But um, I was just sitting in my room. I kind of started playing this classical kind of riff, and I, I played off that. The whole song's based around it. And um, I originally had written lyrics to it. Um, they were altered later. Like Tyler kind of wanted to write his own lyrics, which was fine. But um, uh, it was supposed to be like basically about. Uh, someone kind of like losing someone else, you know, like someone dying. And, uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to do everything in musical terms because an aria is like a, an air or a, it's a singing term in opera and stuff like that. So I, I thought it fit well with the classical sound of the song, but, uh, yeah. And I just, I like the name. Um, and Tyler and I went in together on it and put a different twist on it. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a, a a song about loss, pretty much. 
Okay, now, two of my big favorites on the album were Betrayal and The Accuser. Um, I felt like they had a bit of a real mystical vibe to the tracks. Can you tell me about those tracks as well? Yeah, uh, Betrayal is interesting because we wrote that in like five hours. And um, it, that's actually a really big feat for Spellcaster because all of the other songs on our album took months and months to write. Um, Betrayal was really... We had studio time booked. We had seven songs written. We're very meticulous about everything we do to the point of almost stupidity sometimes. Um, and Betrayal was the result of, we need another song for this album. We cannot do a seven song album. Let's hash one out. And it turned out to be one of our favorite songs. We're playing it at all the live shows. I, you know, it's just kind of magic. I, I don't know what happened there. Like I, Corey came up with the riff and like it just it worked it melded we're like cool um as for the accuser I wrote um I, I wrote pretty much all of that song uh that was another one that took me like three months to write and um you know uh I like it I like it a lot uh Tyler wrote some kick kicking you know kick butt lyrics to it uh <laughs> and uh yeah, no, I, I I think they they both turned out great. Yeah, yeah. Besides, obviously, Ghost of My Memory, which is like a huge fan favorite. What else have you guys been playing from uh, the 2014 self-titled album? For this tour or for the last one? Ah, uh, this one. Or both. This one, we're just we've just been playing Ghost because we don't have a lot of time. But um, last tour, we were I think we rocked Ghost, Bound, and Runaway. Um. One of my favorites to rock from that second album is actually is uh, Haunted. That song is just so fun live. The only reason we don't play it more is because um, it's like seven minutes long and we usually have a 30-minute set. So we can't really justify taking up, you know, almost 30% of the set, 40% of the set on a song from our last album. But, uh, yeah, um, just this tour we've been playing Ghost and... Uh, and uh, last story, was, it was a little more beach. Now, I, I really dug the cover art. Like, it's got, like, this woman that's going into, like, this crazy, like, world or dimension. What do you see when you look at it? You know, what I see when I look at that cover is just a good painting that uh, someone with a lot more skill than myself did. Uh, that whole idea was... Basically, we, we saw this guy's artwork, and we go, okay, he obviously knows what he's doing. We don't want to give him a million directions of what we want and have it just turn out bad, because we've done that before, where you nitpick things to death, and what you really need to do is give the artist creative freedom. Uh, you know, like, the reason you like his art is because <laughs> he, he was sitting at home expressing himself or herself, and making something amazing. So we were like, okay, all we're going to give them is concepts. You know, we want the back to be represent like, uh, the day kind of ending oppressive and the, and the front to represent night. And, um, he's like, okay, he started working on something. And then he saw the title tracks, like the moon doors and Aria. And he's like, I can, I, I kind of want to work something in where she's like riding a horse into the moon 
and some of the guys weren't weren't kind of cool with the horse idea. They thought it sounded a little too doomy, but um, so that's how we, you ended up with the Aria figure kind of floating into the moon doors on the front, and um, it turned out great, man. Like I, I'll tell you one thing, I would have never asked someone to draw a skull on my album cover, but he just kind of sent it over, and we're like, he did it tastefully, so. <laughs> Uh, it turned out great. We like it. Now, I believe uh, my buddy Chris has another question. What's yeah. up? Uh, Go ahead. I want to ask you about the music video. Like, uh, how'd you um, how'd you get all that together? And I mean, you know, um, for uh, for those of us who got the uh, the promo for it and everything from uh, prosthetic. from prosthetic, it was you know like billed as like eighty riffic basically, and you know it kind of was. It was yeah. like a very like traditional video. You know, I mean, how'd that all come around? Was that, like, all your idea, or was that just kind of, like, a label decision? Like, hey, it sounds really 80s heavy metal, so you guys should have, like, you no, know, an 80s No, no, we, we okay. actually kind of were really irritated that they lab- labeled it as an 80s video. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I, I actually um, talked to them about that. I, I asked them, because here's the thing, like, we're, we do draw influences from the 80s as a band, right? Mm-hmm. And we love that music. But our goal is not to be a throwback band. It's not to be uh, a copycat band. Like, we want to take what we love and throw our own personal twists on it. Like, no limits, no, uh, that doesn't sound like Judas Priest or anything like that. Like, just writing good music and using our influences as a conduit to write that, that good music. Right, so, right. You know, you know, when when we're described as an '80s heavy metal band or Spellcaster brings back the '80s, a lot of people will straight up just ignore a video yeah. if it's billed like that because they go, "Well, I'm so sick of these throwback bands." Like, or you know, we'll get a lot of people who say, "Cool, like rad," but but those people would have checked out the video anyways, even if it wasn't billed as right. '80s. So, I, I, well, it, we, it's like a. I mean, it's supposed to be like a buzz term but i mean at the same time it's you know in in hindsight it's not really the best idea i yeah, i guess and, like and our lead our lead guitarist uh bryce he he brought out a good point he's like man i i'm getting so sick of being labeled as an as a you know 80s throwback band like literally if we just down tune our guitars to c and played the same song we would be labeled as a as a new modern band right but because we're in e flat like like nothing about these songs like is, is throwback at all I, at least i feel that way you listen to our first album sure that's all just like you know that's just straight up speed metal but you know we've been working for the past you know four or five years to to build our own sound and we're finally getting in our groove and and stuff like that you know just kind of can pull us down right like it's um, almost like a being, two steps forward said, one step back thing What's that? It's almost like a two-step-forward, one-thing-back thing. I mean, it's not intentional, yeah. but, yeah. That's funny that you say that, because Bryce said the same exact thing. He said two steps forward, one step back. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I talked to Leigh, but I, I, I don't mind. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not irritated with, with them or anything like that. Like, right, right. They, they talked about it, and, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, right. Yeah. Well, now it's war on the bridge, but, I mean, you know, the, just the reaction to it. But, I mean, let's just talk about, like, the video itself and, like, the, you know, process. Just to kind of keep sure. everything yeah. back on track. Um, so, I uh, I got a bunch of. Basically, we had an idea. Uh, this guy Brock from Salt Lake City hit us up and said, "I want to do a video." 
uh, with you guys. And we had known him for years. He's a cool dude. So, uh, and we saw some video work he did with our buddies band Deathblow. And oh, they're um, good. Oh yeah, Deathblow rules. I I love him. But uh, we saw what he had done with them, and you know, like, okay, well, we don't want to go like kind of trauma style like. 80s b-movie horror like that but i can tell this guy knows what he's doing and uh the lighting on the video is incredible so he hit us up um and basically the idea just kind of formulated itself in the van we were on tour with striker and we're just like okay what do we want to do and someone mentioned stonehenge out in eastern oregon that there was a stonehenge and looked it up and like yeah that would be really awesome we could you know set the drums up here and blah blah, blah. And, you know he's like okay well, let's get some fire and some lights and i was like what if we had some wolves in the video? And that was kind of the big, like, idea. Um, the video, didn't, in the end, didn't end up having a lot of wolf footage. I think there's only, like, two cuts with the wolves mm. in it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I got some wolf dog people out there. They're from a rescue in Portland, Animal Rescue. That's cool. They, they drove out. Uh, Brock and his brother drove out from Salt Lake City. I brought the band out. My girlfriend, she's a film major. She helped film. And her brother, and we just had this crew of, like, you know, 11 people, I think, um, at the Stonehenge, fire, lights, fog, music, and we just had a blast. We we made it, made a lot of fun out of it. Like, it really didn't feel like work. So, um, and Brock, his editing skills were superb. He did exactly what we wanted him to, and um, I cannot thank that guy enough because we've been waiting to do something like that for a long time, and it really turned out, it couldn't turn out better for us, so cool man and um just wondering um if you got a chance to speak with brian from time warrior because i know you were speaking about contributing to the time warrior records release and that i remember hearing about that that was like fall 2014 and um pretty sure most of the bands that were how you say signed on to it probably should have their music ready by now um have you been thinking about maybe putting something newer on it oh yes if he's still doing that we're gonna contribute a new track not an old track for sure but um i i don't know i haven't talked to him uh, about it in a while but i haven't i haven't heard any news on the production it was supposed to be done almost a year ago so i i would say you know like don't hold your breath um i i think i think the, the problem here is the vinyl process for that time warrior release like i i don't know if brian anticipated it taking as long as it does or costing as much as it does but i you know i i think he's working on it it just it takes time for sure so now and i also I I re remember reading like a uh, recent issue of head split scene i think it was maybe issue six and there was an article about cemeteries with the lone first cemetery being named first what made you guys name your label Lone Fur Records after the Lone Fur Cemetery? Oh, we just hung out in that cemetery. I live like two blocks away from it. And, uh, I mean, that was where we would go to party. So, you know, we were trying to come up with a label name. We're like, dude, Lone Fur, let's do it. Simple as that. So I took a photo of the uh, mausoleum, and we photoshopped it and made it our logo. And that's that. How do you get on the fourth Lovecraft bar compilation? And tell me a bit about it. Uh, Corey, our guitarist, works at Lovecraft. And 
his boss, John, is super cool. He's the guy who prints and presses all that stuff. He just does it out of pocket. I don't even think he makes any money off it. He just does it because he loves the music. He chooses bands he likes and he throws them on. Um, luckily, we were, you know, uh, I guess he liked us enough to throw us on there and he put Night Demon on there as well. Um, and then there's a lot of like synthy goth bands and, and dance music and stuff on there too. But overall, it's a great comp. Um, but yeah. Uh, Corey just knew John or the owner of Lovecraft, and that's how we got on. Now, what's on the horizon for Spellcaster after the Fellowship of the Strings tour? Well, we get home, we have two weeks off, and then we're going to Reno and Sacramento for some uh, just kind of off shows. We're playing Full Force Fest in Reno. And um, after that, we have a 11-day tour with Midnight Chaser from uh, Pittsburgh. And they were originally, well, they're from Pittsburgh, and then they moved to San Francisco and then back to Pittsburgh. But um, we're good buds with those guys. Steve is a great dude. Um, he's their guitar player, kind of like band leader guy. And he's done nothing but support us since day one. He was on heavy artillery with us back in the day. So, um, yeah, we love those guys, and we're just doing a tour with them down the West Coast. Um, after that, we don't really have anything booked right now. So, um we're working on it for sure. The label's working on it as well. We're trying to get uh, basically anything good we can get on. Um, we're not going to accept any any tour we get offered. You know, we're going to accept uh, uh, good ones, and we're going to try and get on with fans we like and enjoy and respect because that's what the fans would want to see too. Is um, you know us touring with a band they like as well. You know. What would be like the ultimate collector's item for the like the real hardcore spellcaster people out there? Spells of Speed clear vinyl. There's, I believe, two hundred of them made. Uh, it's our first demo. Uh, Heavy Artillery released as like a Wax Maniacs. Uh, it's called their series called Wax Maniacs demos, and um, yeah, after they put that out, it's just two, limited to two hundred. I have one. The rest of the band has since sold their copies. So I'm the only one in the band who has one. But I saw one on eBay like a couple months ago for like 150 bucks. So, but I don't see them very often. Yikes. That's getting really wild. Um, yeah. You think maybe a few years from now it'll be hitting like, say, maybe three or 500? <laughs> maybe. But, I, you know, I'm not going to speculate on any of that. That would depend on our popularity, right? Yeah. Also, I guess um, the rarity of it, too, if, like, uh, nobody has it or anything like that, too. Yeah, you know, I guess I could wait around and see if this maybe, if my uh, copy hits, like, a grand or something. And then, but, you know, it, dude, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's a piece of wax. Like, whatever, man. Like, the, the, you know, the songs are online. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, um, Give me some shout-outs to friends of yours and bands. Uh, friends of ours? Well, you got Midnight Chaser, Ex Mortis, Holy Grail, Night Demon, obviously, Jameson from Visigoth and the rest of Visigoth, dude. Um, you know, I was kind of careful about this. You, you, we had a previous interview that yeah. didn't get recorded. Uh, you know, because I, I don't want to forget anybody because, you know, they're all great dudes. Um at the moment that's all i can really nail off the top of my head but you know we got plenty of uh 
great friends we've made over the years, and um, I, you know, I, they know who they are. Now, would you like to say anything else? Uh, yes, um, to all your listeners, uh, we'll be playing kind of near you in Brooklyn, New York, St. Vitus Bar, I believe, next Wednesday? Thursday. Thursday, Thursday at uh, St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn. Um, so come on down, check out the show, and, um, you know, we'll have, uh, we'll be playing with the uh, Ex-Mortis and Holy Grail. They, those guys have been killing it the whole tour, and we've been doing our best as well, so come down and say hi. Awesome. And uh, our, new, our new album is out uh, on Prosthetic right now, Night Hides the World, and uh, we got a killer music video on YouTube that we worked really hard on, so take three minutes of your day to check it out. By Let's the way, what, what kind of merch are you guys uh, selling on this tour? Uh, we have vinyl, CD, and tape for each album, except for Under the Spell. Um, we have five t-shirt designs, and some metal pins, but I only have two of them left, like lapel pins, so those will probably be gone by Brooklyn. Um, patches, stickers, and I think that's it. All right. Thanks a lot, Gabe. I do appreciate it. I'll be catching you uh, Thursday night. Be well, man. Thank you, Nick. See you later, man. Take care, dude. Goodbye. Thank you for the questions, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, man. Hope to see you Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Definitely.